0: 40978 remember Jacob supply quality building materials at wholesale prices and now on to the show
1: there it is yes, hello sir. jason
2: how's it going mr greg good how you doing man doing awesome man started doing something uh this evening that is a uh it's just a great time for me What's that? We were just uh, going through some closets, getting rid of some stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we talked about how you're a minimalist.
2: I absolutely love it, man. I love getting in there, getting rid of stuff that's just sitting around. You're just like, What it? yeah? Why
0: is this even in the
2: closet? You know, like I mean I, I kind of get stressed out when I walk in your backyard. I, I mean I see the shed, I see the barn, I see the you know, the uh, the other it's garage. Clean, I'm like, oh it's very clean, yeah, for sure. But I would always be like, What is inside of those things? I need to get rid of you know, like it would stress I, me out. I'll
0: tell you but what, when we all have to run to the hills yeah. and survive on solar panels and uh clean brook water i'm Can't gonna wait. i'm gonna come to you because you yes. know how to live yeah with just four things
2: i mean it's 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 coming but uh <laughs> no i'm joking <laughs> it could
0: be oh well but
2: yeah man so anyway what what'd you do today oh you're I working t- on a door weren't uh, you? I try,
0: you know you try you you want to rest on the lord's day yeah uh didn't do any real estate stuff uh but i did look at this pocket door that had come unlatched and i said i'm, I'm gonna tack that and yeah. i'm gonna take off some trim and i got about three and a half hours into it yeah and I went, why did I why did I do this to myself? <laughs> uh, but I got it done about an hour before yeah. uh, you came Somebody over. Somebody
2: out there is like, he was working on the pocket door for three and a half <laughs> look hours. Look at him.
0: Look at I'm not a craftsman. Okay? I'm a talker. I'm a salesman. Yeah, right, I sell right. the product. There you I go. I
2: don't fix the product. There you go. Okay? I like it.
0: But like uh, it. got it done. Got a few other things around the house no, done. That's so great. that's good, man. Awesome. Cool. So uh, we have on the line today, uh, he's a pastor of Silicon Valley Reformed Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a new book out called The Dorian Principle. Or are we supposed to say it like kind of like Greek like Dorian? Dorian. Or is I've it heard just both. Dorian?
2: Dorian. Doreen? 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 Like Doreen Virtue. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it just it was such a cool subject matter. Um he reached out to me and, and I had seen him on some other podcasts. I went, yeah, that, that'd be great to have him on here. Um, so on the line right now is Pastor Connolly Owens.
1: How are you, sir? I'm um, fine. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm, uh, like you said, a pastor at Silicon Valley Reformed Baptist Church. And it's Silicon, not silicone. That's Silicon yeah, yeah, Southern right, California. Right. Oh, Silicon. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Silicon is uh, Northern California, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, oh,
0: I think that's a difference between like a building material, too, right? That's like a silicone no, silicone it's silicone?
1: uh, yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, yeah, just this pronunciation. Yeah. I'm joking <laughs> but, that they do a lot of plastic surgery in Southern California. Yeah, oh, yeah, there oh,
2: we go. There it is. California jokes. Where's that? Yeah, yeah, California. Oh, man. So, <laughs>
0: how, yeah, we're gonna have to get into a little bit how you're holding up there in California, uh, with sure. with uh, you know, with your with your governor out there. What did they call him? New
2: yeah, Nussolini. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs>
0: We Come got and, we, we got little out here and right Big right Wretch. yeah well yeah
2: the 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 Miss Gretchen Wilson
0: yeah you know. but before we do that we're going to get into a little newsy news uh, Connelly, feel free to jump in we might even throw it over to you if you want to comment you want to do it Jay yeah let's go news the news the newsy newsy news the news the news the news, the news the news, the news we got some
2: news yes oh, we do yeah
0: some Tom askell approved newsy news. Mm. Uh, and I will keep saying that every time, every episode, every episode. Checking as long as that clip it from is formed funny memes. Keeps it is pretty up views, cool though. It we're going to keep saying I mean, it. Tom it Askell, okay? yeah. Our listeners probably get sick of yeah, saying it. Right, right. Right. All right, so let's get to the first one. I'm going to start out here. Uh, this one's serious, but we've talked about this gentleman on the podcast uh-huh. quite a bit over the last year and a half. Yeah. I think if you're in the reform camp or even the Christian camp that isn't into that wacky, insane faith healing stuff, you uh, you, you kind of talk about him. Mm-hmm. But uh, just this last week, uh, faith healer, and I'm using air quotes, Todd White, on a three-month bed rest for serious heart condition that's mm. taken him out of uh, commission uh, for wow. his ministry. Now, I remember you and I jokingly said, when we started this podcast in the middle of COVID, we said, Where, where's Kenneth Copeland and Todd White and right, Bethel? Right. Send them to the front Go lines. send them to the front lines. Heal everyone heal of COVID. Everybody. Let's do this, man. Well, actually, Kenneth Copeland did, right? Or we Kenneth did. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Oh, yeah. He, or whatever. He blew on, he blew on COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we said it kind of tongue-in-cheek. And, of course, all those churches shut down for yeah, six right. months, right, ran right. and hid. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of crazy. Shut the, down
2: their healing rooms?
0: <laughs> shut down the healing rooms for COVID. Yeah. Uh, they're grown out legs, but can't grow back lungs. I guess yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Sorry, that sounds a little sorry. harsh. But so he's he's <laughs> on bed rest for uh, three months. So yeah, you know, we're praying for him. We we've grown you a know. little bit over this podcast. We'd probably launch into a five to eight minute bit yeah. on uh, Todd White, but we'd say we're praying for him. We hope he sees. Uh God in this. Yes. I hope God uses this exactly how it needs to be. I right. don't hope. I know God well. Yeah, oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Um but it's always just a little ironical. Is that a mm. word? Can I say ironical? ironic? Ironic. Ironic. It's a little yeah, bit yeah, ironic. Yeah, yeah. Uh don't you, know, you think? When, when you're... <laughs> it's like Ray <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> We're not going back is... to the nineties. We're not doing a it's uh, stuck. You know, when you have a, a faith healer uh, that says, "Hey, look at every single person should be physically healed." Todd said that multiple times. We know we've we, we've talked about uh, Bill Johnson at Bethel saying that multiple times, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then uh, you know Bill Johnson who has glasses, and we take health advice. You know right <laughs> he's gonna heal he can, your eyes then like yeah. throw your glasses away but uh yeah you know just kind of be watching that situation i know last year remember todd had a brush with uh charles spurgeon, spurgeon. and we thought he might have turned the corner on yeah, something yeah. but boy did he go back in he quick came back um what do you think, Connolly? What do you think of uh, when, the, when the faith he- healers come down with the illness and they can't do anything about it? Do they not have enough faith? Well,
1: uh, you know, if you have the right faith, eventually you will be uh, completely physically well for all eternity. Mm. Uh, Ooh, but I agree with you. Right. For now, we should send them to the front line. <laughs> <laughs> a mic drop. There
0: you go. Amen. You yeah. got anything on that, Jay? What do you think? Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I'm, I'm there with you guys, man. I, I really, you know, uh, I have a heart for Todd. I mean, Todd was... Uh, at first, when I first got regenerated, I'll be honest. Like uh, for six months, I, I accidentally dove into the NAR, and Todd was one of those teachers that you mm. know was teaching me that uh, different kind of doctrine. Um, and yeah. then and then I was you know I found uh, reformed teaching, and uh, you know got my got set straight. Yeah. But uh, but you know I still have a heart for Todd, and I just pray that uh, that he that he comes out of this well, and that uh, hopefully, yeah. Like you said. He, he...
0: Which is odd, because, I mean, the Apostle Paul talked about fire tunnels and grave soaking all the time. I know, everything I every going to get yeah, into yeah. it for yeah, us. Right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's move back. It's all good. Yeah, Let's yeah. move on to the second story. What else second you got, Jason? Second story.
2: What we got here is, in a first, man receives a heart from a genetically altered pig. What? Yeah. Uh, the breakthrough may lead one day to new supplies of animal organs for transplant into human Patients. A 57 year old man with life threatening heart disease has received a heart from a genetically modified pig, a groundbreaking procedure that offers hope to hundreds of thousands of patients with failing organs. It is the first successful transplant of a pig's heart into a human being. The eight hour operation took place in Baltimore on Friday, and the patient, David Bennett Sr. of Maryland, was doing well on Monday, according to surgeons at the University of Maryland Medical Center. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they go wow. on, but it, it I guess it's working just like a heart is supposed to. How I can mean, that even for his body? Th- yeah. Okay, first of all,
0: that freaks me out a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: There's gotta be some side effects. I mean, a, a heart of a young pig, I mean, is he just eating roast beef all the way I, home or yeah, I don't, I don't he has, know. Like, a taste
2: for can you can you actually have bacon and stuff then? Because I mean, <laughs> it's you know, cannibalism. It's like yeah, I mean it's
0: <laughs> No, but more seriously, like what what where where do Christians draw the line on that when you start right. uh you know modifying dna and having heart transplants of other animals i yeah. mean that stuff is uh it, it can get really freaky really quick you know yeah. we talk about elon musk a lot on this podcast mm-hmm. well not a lot but he's been brought up yeah he's looking at doing things with technology well, with, playing, with
2: god, play, you know, playing god playing playing god essentially you
0: know. what do you think Connolly? would you uh would you take a pig's heart if you needed one or would you just go <laughs> meet your maker
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would I would enjoy going to see him, but uh yeah, I don't I don't see this as substantially different than a, a skin graft or a robot heart, right? Which a lot of people yeah. have mm. have had that for a while now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's when you start uh yeah, doing more creative things with embryos and DNA and stuff that yeah, Absolutely. I'd be more concerned. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, there is a difference between sustaining life, I would say, and trying to create Mm-hmm. a different life. right
2: exactly yeah. cool cool me well. a couple uh, horse legs so i can be a little bit taller you know
0: <laughs> i wish it was a little bit taller I Okay,
2: wish right. was a baller okay. man we are going
0: back tonight <laughs> we, we're not a great in, 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 uh, first impression yeah, the past yeah right one. right uh, let's keep it's it like, on the up oh and up. no you gonna have to talk to my elders about this one <laughs> all <laughs> right this one here this is gonna be our last story but yeah. i just thought it was interesting because uh if you go back in our uh in our video archive and audio archive we talked a lot about you know in the very beginning about that free money and and what was going to happen and the economics of it and and inflation and now we're seeing it in Breitbart which uh, I just happened to come across this I don't really read them but I I saw it pop up on my feed the prices of cars and trucks continue to soar in December data release Wednesday showed the Department of Labor's Consumer Price Index showed that the prices of new cars and trucks jumped higher in December rising 1% for the month compared to 12 months ago prices are up 12% 12% on new cars. Prices are up 25% to 37% in some areas on used cars.
2: And people are complaining about bread, the price well, of bread. <laughs> right. It's like, but then they run out and grab a brand new truck for 80 grand. You're just like, oh I don't. Know. My, yeah, me neither. Oh my uh, gosh. Could you, know. you imagine
0: spending 80 grand on a liability? No,
2: I, I couldn't. But, uh, I can yeah. find. I like my three to... thousand dollar minivan. <laughs> <There
0: you go. laughs> That's paid off, hey baby. <laughs> I don't care. I think. I think, uh. I think uh, there's a lot of proverbs about being wise right. and steward of your money and Amen. frugal and, and discerning. And and we're all definitely going to
2: get into all that. Right? <laughs> and I think it's
0: good. And I think people with that attitude are going to have to, uh, you know, with that just kind of spended attitude, is really going to have to start uh, looking at some stuff because I think economically we have some rough times ahead. Um, when you see this is technically hyperinflation. Now they don't call it that because the mainstream media does have some uh, agendas that they have to get across. Yeah. But anytime something increases twenty five to forty percent uh, within a few months, that that is a form of hyperinflation.
2: Well, the data that came out, I really think they definitely skew the numbers for sure I mean uh, month yeah. over month they said it went up like 0.3 percent or something but yeah. there's no way I mean especially with what's been going on uh, at the in the grocery stores in the bread aisle you know yeah <laughs> I mean, you yeah. could see
1: it there but
0: uh, so Connolly out in California how's the supply chain and the covid stuff and how's and, the and, gas price's it yeah, how's bro? Oh, yeah it's,
1: it's pretty bad I mean well gas has always been bad <laughs> yeah, now, yeah it's exactly. I mean I just yeah. stopped looking at gas prices a long time right. ago <laughs> it's just so ridiculous <laughs> yeah um, but I went to get Japanese food the other day and tried to order udon and they didn't have udon for the past two months because they couldn't get a truck driver to deliver it. So (laughs) it's, it's, it is pretty wild yeah
0: oh that's awesome that sounds just like a california problem doesn't uh, it oh man they didn't have the sushi i, <laughs> I wanted mean,
1: i love udon <laughs> yeah man. Udon is oh, good, though. so good yeah actually <laughs> i guess i guess it's a little first world problems yeah yeah no, right, it's right. all good but it's still Chinese. yeah
0: look look at Connolly. i mean the supply chain's affecting us all differently yeah. you know some people uh, going without heat and water you couldn't right. get your sushi that's you know i get it
1: <laughs> right right yeah, yeah let uh yeah it's it's Pretty unjust, uh, it's, so, it's right? unjust. Yeah. <laughs> to take other people's money and give it to other people. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people yeah. because I have I have a lot of kids. You know, I have seven kids. Uh, mm. A lot of people assumed that I was going to get a lot out of this, and they would ask me. I was like, no, that's that's not how it works. Uh, yeah. I I have a uh, another job that pays well. So sure. outside of being a pastor. So yeah, I don't. I didn't get any of it. Well, let's yeah. get. Yeah. I think it's unconstitutional. You know, the uh, constitution gives Congress the right to coin money. It never gives Congress the right to, uh, it gives anyone the right to, um, print money, print and, money. Yeah. Uh, Congress. It gives the government the right, whatever, Sure. Yeah, whichever entity. Right.
0: No, absolutely. So let's get into that. We all done with news.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're good. Awesome. And that was the newsy news.
0: Cool. So pastor Connolly Owens on the Podcast tonight has a new book out called "Dorian Print: The Dorian Principle," talking about the commercialization of the church, of Christianity, um, of religion. And Pastor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you just got into yet you have kids, you're out in California, but give us a little bio of yourself so the listeners know who you
1: are. Sure, yeah, uh, my name is Conley Owens. I came from uh, Virginia, but I've been here in Sunnyvale, California, for the past. 11 years, almost 12 years. I live with my wife and seven kids here. And I'm also a software engineer at Google, which uh, Lord willing, I'll be able to pursue full-time ministry. But uh, as for now, that's not the Lord's providence.
0: Mm, Awesome. And what can it, let's just get it, let's get it rolling right off the top. What made you write this book or why did you want to write about this subject? And and what is it about? Give us the overview.
1: Sure. So uh, just a little bit of backstory. I've been involved in software for a long time. And if anyone in your audience is familiar with software and open source software, there's a lot of uh, creative and innovative things that have been done with software licensing. Because any other engineering field, you're allowed to reverse engineer things. You can open up the hood of your truck, see how it works, put it back together. If you do that with software, in the process you create a copy and then you violate copyright law. So software has always been really inhibited in that sense until people started making open source software where you were allowed to use it in this way. And so having this idea that you could take different approaches to copyright made me pretty dissatisfied with the way a lot of ministers approach copyright, uh, using it you know, in order to capitalize on this product that they're making, this teaching. And for a long time, I felt like this was just my own private opinion that it should be done differently and it's not really something i could uh bind other people's consciences with mm. but then i started seeing in scripture that the bible has a lot to say about the way ministries need to approach money and that was that was kind of the the reason i think my eyes were fairly ready to see what scripture had to say about the matter
0: so what does scripture say about the matter what what, what are you seeing in the modern christian church that that you would say and and i'm and i'm assuming uh the title of the book, is that from like the Matthew 10, 8, where it's like freely you've, you've received, so freely give? Is that kind of the gist of it? Correct.
1: Yes. Yes. Dorian is the Greek adverb that means freely. So it comes from that verse and another verse in 2 Corinthians 11, where Paul says a very similar thing. Both Jesus and Paul use this word to refer to preaching freely, preaching without charging for it. Mm. So I think the Bible clearly that teaches should be teaching without exchanging that teaching for money. Now, in the very next breath, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 9 through 10, that the worker is worthy of his food. So it's about how do you you hold those two truths together? Because a lot of people never really try to resolve it, or they try to resolve it, and they do a poor job, or maybe they do a good job, and then they don't necessarily draw all the logical implications of that resolution. So very simply, I believe that Jesus is saying, on one hand, it is uh, wrong to accept reciprocity where you're exchanging the gospel for money. It is right to accept funds as co-labor, where you have other people in God's kingdom working alongside of you for the purpose of the gospel.
0: Mm. And what would, what do you think would be the dividing line for that though? Uh, Because you could, you have a lot of, let's say, seeker friendly or emerging church or kind of the evangelies uh, out there going, look at all this money I'm bringing in. It's Going to the kingdom. It's mm-hmm. co-laboring with me. You know, you're co-laboring with me. So sure. I can go to speaking events and I can, you know, fly here and do this and that. So so how do we look into the word and, and then divide that and say, okay, this is appropriate. This isn't appropriate. Do you do you approach
1: that at all in the book? Right. Well, there's there's lots of examples scripture gives. You know, Paul refuses money lots of times and he accepts money or anticipates accepting money other times, and not just money, but hospitality or any kind of uh material support. So you have these examples that give you ideas of when this is reciprocity, when this is the church paying him back for something versus co-laboring alongside of him. Um, and just to give some of those examples, uh, you have him in First and Second Corinthians, both times saying he will never accept this money that the Corinthians have tried to give him. And I believe that's in the context of him having planted the church. But in both of those letters, you also have him saying that he's hoping to come to them in order that they can support him on his journey to Macedonia. So Uh, using the Greek word propempo, which implies financially support. Mm. So here you have him saying that, you know, he wants to come to them so they can help him with this mission. And here you also have him saying that he will not, you'll never accept their money in exchange for what he has done for them.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I went to a college in Jackson, Tennessee. It was a, it was a Christian liberal arts college. And uh, that college was, Very expensive, and I just remember people going through ministry. uh, You know the ministry program, and actually, you you brought up uh, uh, some good points in your introduction in in your book. Um, Just the fact that somebody goes through college to learn about the Word of God spends sixty grand and gets ends up you know with sixty grand in uh, you know debt, and then they go to seminary, and then there's an extra sixty grand. It's like you know, it's like how are we misusing (laughs) that? Uh, you know, just the education of right. scripture. You know, with the financial side. I mean, what are you, what are you seeing in that? I, I'd really like to hear you pick
1: that apart a little bit. Sure. So, uh, when it comes to colleges, we might need to uh, to. Uh Parse that out a bit more huh. because you know, sometimes that's a lot that's more of a general education than specifically a biblical education. But right. but just focusing on seminaries for the moment. Yeah, you have and it and it's wild because usually these are funded by churches sending people to it. So it would really take a minimal restructuring to just raise that money beforehand, not in exchange for something, Mm. but, uh, together. And then you also have so many seminaries that are operating with almost zero church oversight, you know, as this total parachurch thing, that's off there, uh, on their own, Mm -hmm. this would kind of force them to, to, uh, work with associations or denominations so that there would be church oversight. So I think there could be just a lot of good in just restructuring how Mm. these things are funded. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah,
0: No, the, that's good. But to go back to uh, the point right before too, uh, so, so you're almost saying the co-laboring, and correct me if I'm wrong, would almost be more church-based too then. I mean, there's a big difference between um, a congregation providing for its pastor, whether it be pay or housing or food, versus a, I don't know, we throw, you can throw any any evangelical author right now Stephen Furtick showing up at a Hillsong event and charging 150,000 for him to say a 15 minute, Hey, I, you know, (laughs) kind of let's juice up this worship conference type thing that, that, that would, that, that's a pretty extreme difference, but that's kind of what we're talking about here.
1: Correct. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the amount of money, but that amount of money does communicate that you aren't just working alongside of him. You're really, you know, making an exchange. And I think it's perfectly appropriate for a pastor to be paid by their church. You know, you have this gathering of people. Uh, one of them ought to quit their job so they can dedicate themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, as it says in Acts 6.4. Yeah. Now, who's going to do that? Uh, who's going to quit their job and, you know, live in poverty. Uh, but if we all work together, right, and some of us forego the fruit of our labor, uh-huh. um, you know, that's that's just co-labor. And I think it's perfectly appropriate for pastors who are traveling to receive honorariums. Uh, you have a suggestion of that in 1 Corinthians 9 when when uh, Paul mentions Peter, saying, you know, do we not also, like Peter, have the freedom to take a wife? Implying that Peter is more of a financial burden as he would have come to Corinth. Um, And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with honorariums, but, uh, what happens when these speakers won't come to you unless you pay them, uh, this really ridiculous amount of money that's more than just what's needed is, you know, they, they understand that they've got this service that they're providing and they're exchanging it for money. It's very different than, than, uh, the honorariums that would be co-labor oriented. Mm. So
0: outside of the kind of the pastoral or the speaker that we just touched on, What else in the Dorian principle um, are you focusing on in that book when you're talking about the commercial? commercialization of Christianity?
1: Sure. There's uh, conferences, uh, there's books. I think that the Christian publishing industry is one. And you asked a question just a second ago that I didn't completely answer, which was, uh, this would be more church-based if we were operating in a co-labor model. Uh, Yes, it would. And the, the reason that that is, is because you already have the weekly giving of the saints, right? The weekly contributions where we are working Together and it's parachurch organizations which aren't necessarily always doing something wrong, but because they don't have that regular form of giving, they have to get more creative about how they're going to raise support. And so they usually end up selling something, either selling conference tickets, selling books, selling tuition, you know, uh, whatever it is. So if you if you are working together with a church or it's a church doing this ministry, it doesn't have to worry about where is the money going to come from because you already have this weekly. Um, this weekly support given by the congregation.
2: Yeah. I, I, I just a little pushback here. This is, this okay. is me being a little bit of a, you know, devil's advocate, whatever. Okay. But, uh, but you know, what, what would you say if someone would say, you know, well, you don't know what we do with our finances. You have no idea. How can you, you know, paint this huge, you know, brush brushstroke, right. you, know, brush oh, yeah. you know, and, and just say that, you know, we're using our funds for X, Y, and Z, even though some, some pastors, you, you see what they're doing with their money, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you yeah. know? but, sure. but anyway, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of one of the things I point out to people. Cause usually a lot of times people already have their own issue with the way money is used in churches and they bring that to the book. And so they read in a lot of things that, you know, that, that I'm not actually saying, I actually yeah. don't, I don't say anything about how people use the money. It's how they get the money I care about. Uh, uh. So, you know, if you, if you have been honored by a church, you know, with this money, you ought to have the freedom to use your own funds the way you would. Now you want to avoid the appearance of sin. I think there's, you know, something wrong with, uh, You know, getting so decked out and drip that sure. you know, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, buying as many uh, you know gym yeah.
2: shoes as possible, taking pictures of them on Instagram. Sure, <laughs> yeah. There's
1: a, there's ways that you could bring dishonor to Christ by doing those sorts of things. But if it's if it's your money, if it's been given to you, you should have the freedom to use it. My my issue is not with the spending of it once it's been received; it's with the receiving of it, mm-hmm. whether it's received as co labor or as reciprocity.
2: Yeah, I, I had a friend uh, talk to me one time about uh, he, he called it the spirit of mammon and he was just like you know whenever i give um i'm just you know battling that spirit and uh obvious, obviously uh you know kind of more pentecostal charismatic <laughs> but uh but anyway he you know he was just like i don't even care if the pastor takes it to the casino and puts it in the in the uh slot machine and i was just like really like you don't care if your pastor <laughs> you know but i mean i i don't know i guess i never
0: really thought about it until he said that you know um but yeah well, I don't know about that. I mean, if, if if it's in your congregation, your pastor, your elders, everyone mm-hmm. has accountability. And if yeah. they're doing something with it right. that isn't Christ-like, then they need to be held accountable. Right. Now, That's my, what I would say. Right. Now, my yeah. father instilled in me, look at if you give, now outside of giving to the church, but if you give something to someone, you have no claim or right to say right. what they can do with yeah. it. You give freely, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you give openly. Uh, but I think that would be that would be a difference. Yeah, I don't know if I would just give and say, well, whatever they do with it. That no. well, inside yeah. of a church setting with elders, past mm-hmm. you know, with right. And he could have been using like
2: a uh, very extreme, you know, yeah, example. But but you know,
0: yeah. so I mean, th- this is pretty prevalent though in the church, Connolly. I mean, it is like. Uh, there's conferences everywhere. There's worship, or you know, praise uh, concerts. There's um, churches that do all kinds of extracurricular well, things the in, the in their entertainment, entertainment in their auditoriums, yeah. and you know, all these things. And you know, I it smells a little bit to me of you know Jesus flipping some tables. Uh, it's kind of in that vein when I right. look at that. But like I said, it's also you know money itself isn't bad, right? Um, having right. clothes and material things are needed. Uh, Christ had him when he was here as fully God and fully man. And so did the apostles and the early church fathers
2: capitalism,
0: <laughs> right? I'm a red blooded American capitalist. Hold That's on. Now. Right. Uh, but we use it for the correct things. We steward, yeah, yeah. steward it wisely. Right. Yep. Um, so, so uh, <laughs> For me, it's just like parsing that out and going, okay, biblically, like wh- where's wh- what can and what can't we? And I'm not saying you're the definite answer on on all this, but the book is really approaching that, and it, it kind of reads almost as if you're just giving scriptural references for these things, and right. and you kind of really left it up to me in the in the first <laughs> even the first few chapters. You said, hey, look at, this, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Which I like. That's what Christ did. Hey, have you heard you've heard it said? I mean, he just put down the truth, didn't argue, didn't try to make a point. He just said, This is what God says. Have you not read? Have you not read? Right. But I mean, we're so it's it's just so it's everywhere now. So Mm -hmm. so what do we do? What's like the Christian response to this or the biblical response to this when we just see money changing hands left and right in just about the majority of our Western Christian churches.
1: Yeah. Well, that is one uh, common criticism of the book. And it's under the first, uh, yeah, I spend about 10 chapters, you know, just establishing the principle. And then the last four chapters talking about application. Now there's a lot of application, but it's, it's uh quick and, you know, covers uh, a very large landscape of, of uh, what there is to cover and really to talk about all the ins and outs of the things you would want to consider would take a whole book in itself. Mm. So yeah, I don't, I don't have all the answers to that. I'm hoping that other people can kind of help me figure out some of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but once you have this principle, yeah, I think, you know, I think the way forward just involves people considering the biblical text. First of all, you know, maybe even using this book, uh, taking it to a pastor, you know, having him think through this. And I think that, you know, as people think through it, that's the, that's the first step. Um, and that that is a sufficient table turning at this point. Yeah.
2: Have you had pushback on this? Could you give some examples of the pushback?
1: Sure. So a lot of, well, a lot of pushback uh, comes in identifying the fact that there are a lot of gray areas mm. because, you know, I'm, I'm, Making this distinction between co-labor and reciprocity. So, at what point does something become co-labor and reciprocity? For example, or at what point does something become gospel ministry or not gospel ministry? Right. Right? If I if I sell you a Bible, like a paper Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, you know that that's that's the Word of God. But now I make it like this, you know, luxury leather Bible. Like, at what point did that switch from the essence of this being me giving you the Word of God to me giving you like paper, ink, and leather? (laughs) I I don't know the answer to a lot of these questions, (laughs) and you know, you get into some kind of stoic. Uh, question of how many grains of sand does it uh, take to make a hill of sand. Right. So, so the fact that I can't, you know, parse out all the, uh, all the gray areas doesn't really, uh, doesn't really undo the principle. Um, if you're familiar with the regulative principle of worship, in the regulative principle of worship, you have a distinction between forms and elements. You have the forms of worship, uh, which can change you know, whether you're standing or sitting, whether you have two songs or three songs. You have the elements of worship that cannot change. You can't uh, add or remove from reading the Word of God, prayer, singing. So you have all kinds of people who agree on this principle, but then disagree about whether or not something's a form or an element is is uh, instrumental music. Is that uh, a form or is it an element? You know, I would say it's a form. There are other people who would say it's an element. You can't add that. Mm. So I I don't think that that undoes it. Another criticism that people have pointed out is that it's very subjective. Am I, am I saying that someone is sinning based on the thoughts in another person's heart, right? If if this person, how do I know whether or not they're giving with a co-laboring spirit or whether they're giving uh, thinking that they're doing it in re- exchange for something. Oh. I, I don't think that's what I'm really saying. I'm just saying that we need to do due diligence when the way that we uh, receive money. So you have, all kinds of other situations in life, counseling, preaching, uh, speaking to a friend where you do due diligence to make sure that you are understood correctly with your words and gestures. And so this is talking about what are the words and gestures of ministry fundraising to make sure we're doing due diligence.
2: Right. So, I mean, you know, Chick-fil-A, they sell chicken sandwiches, right? Like they're not selling the gospel per se, (laughs) you know, but they, you know, might have a, yeah, the bend towards it because of the... CEO, <laughs> I,
0: yeah, no, absolutely, and, and I agree with both you guys. And what you just said, Connolly, too, is like we we can look at a look at something and go, okay, we know we look at the eighty-five million dollar jet and the guy who says he can't fly commercial because it's a tube full of demons and he doesn't want anyone talking to him or, or praying with him. Okay, that we, we can clearly say there's some issues there. And and then on the other side, we we can see someone who who co-labors and go, okay, that's right. But it's those gray areas that get a little bit confusing. It's like. Co-laboring and then, you know, the the biggest one for me is what you mentioned at the top of the show is like publishing, like Christian publishing is like a, just a huge mega, it just creates so much money. Yeah. Okay. And for, and for what, for something that's relatively inexpensive now to create. Um, I mean, I have your digital copy of your book and, uh, you can distribute that probably very, very, you know, l- low cost. Um, obviously we, we want everyone to go out and buy a paper copy as well too, but it's it, like, yeah. And the
1: paper, just so people know the paper copy's free and the, the publisher oh, even wow. covers shipping. Mm, wow. Jeez. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a heck of a deal. <laughs> so it's like, what what do we do about
0: publishing? Where I think almost I don't know I, I don't know any any Christian uh, that I talk to that wouldn't that wouldn't agree that yeah one hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty dollars for a leather bound Bible just because it has a certain you know material to it or right. someone's name in the front of it is a little outrageous yeah like w- what do we do about publishing uh, because that's I mean book well we're all reformed here but books is all i got man right
1: right yeah <laughs> i got way too yeah. many
0: books <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well i think i think books need to be offered freely so uh yeah i, I won't comment on uh luxury but like i mentioned you know luxury bibles i think that there's room for a market for those kinds of things if someone wants to in a secular sense you know have a business where they're selling craftsman bibles but uh yeah when it comes to when the essence of the thing is the word of god uh, why aren't the digital, why aren't the digital copies of things free? Well, it's because they're selling you teaching. And then yeah, everything that attends to gospel ministry should be free as well. You have in Matthew 10, eight, uh, Jesus says, free the, um, excuse me, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons you receive without paying, give without pay. If they had accepted money for the miracles, and then given the gospel freely. (laughs) Like that would have been a problem. Everything that attends to the gospel (laughs) should be free. Paul didn't say that, oh, well, as long as you pay for my ship ticket and you feed me and you house me, then I'll preach for you. No, he wouldn't even accept their food in Thessalonica. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think we see the sorcerer saying- So yeah, to to, to round
1: out that question, to to round out that question, yeah, I think that not only should the digital content be free, but, but everything that attends to that, if it's being offered by the ministry and not you know, by some something else. I imagine you could, you know, put some print on demand book up there. And then when you click the button, you have to pay for it to be printed. But if you are, the, as a ministry, providing this thing, you should be providing it freely so that there's no undermining of your sincerity. Right.
2: It makes me think about TBN. I don't know if you guys ever caught any of that stuff where, like, they would, you know, the guy with the hairpiece and, and whatever, <laughs> he, would, he would have the, uh, you know, the uh, be like, hey, hey, if you send in $85.89 right now, your miracle was going to happen, you know? And yeah. I was just like, what? That yeah. doesn't make any sense. But they would always get, you know, the vulnerable that needed that miracle, you know, to yeah. send in their money.
0: Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So as we uh, as we round this out here, if, if someone's going to pick up this book, uh, and we'll let you throw out the links to it and where they can get it, what are, what are some of the maybe two or three or one or two takeaways that you would like them to get from this? What, what were you trying to get across in this book when you wrote it? And let me just tell you, uh, I've been thinking about writing a book for about eight years and that's as far as I've gotten because it seems so overwhelming <laughs> oh. you, your book is well written um, you know factually correct uh, very good scripture references so I applaud you on it. it it's it's quite an accomplishment but what do you want people to take away from it
1: yeah that there is this distinction in reciprocity and co-labor laid out very clearly in Matthew 10, and then carried along by Paul and by even John and third John. And scripture is very clear on this matter. This is not something that uh, God has remained silent on, but it is something that uh, I, I was shocked when I started going through it and just realized how frequently Paul talks about this. Mm. So yeah, this is something God's, God speaks on and makes this distinction between co-labor and reciprocity. And uh, second, yeah, that there is there is a way forward. There's a There's a great hope of reformation in the church. Um, The things right now don't look great Um, with the the church following the world's model in publishing. uh, I think there's a lot of problems, but uh, the way forward is quite glorious that there could be this reformation. And if you imagine, I like to daydream about what it would be like if if so many of these uh, teachings, these books were offered freely so Hmm. that you could easily explore them. Uh, You would be able to search them all very instantly and not have to only be able to search the ones that you have, you know, access to. And yeah. there's just all kinds of uh, good things that could come out of the church embracing this. Man, yeah. you're, you're a software
0: engineer. Get on that app, man. Let's, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Let's uh, create something here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, free Bible study apps that can, sure. you know, incorporate this kind of material, but yeah. you know, there's, uh, no market, no like commercial market right in there.
0: Yeah. Uh, wow. That's
1: why these things are sold on accordance and they're sold on Lagos and, uh, and so forth. Which that's yeah.
0: kind of the issue that we're talking about tonight. It's, it's the fact right. that there's money to be made and something that could be freely given is instead it's getting reciprocity. Like, like right. the book says.
1: Yeah. And, and another, another uh, point is that what, what is accomplished when you do this, right? Is that because the gospel is offered freely, you are representing Christ. Well, by, uh, by offering the gospel freely to others. And what is ruined in this when you do it wrong is that you are undermining the sincerity of ministry. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.17, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of mm. sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Mm. So uh, sincerity is undermined when we uh, when we violate this principle.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us, man. And the the way you've articulated this in your book, I mean, it's it's really got my Wheels turning for sure. I mean, I I loved it. I really loved it a lot. So, yeah. Thanks so much, Conley. Really, and we you, really. Yeah, you know, you're welcome. He's yeah. talking. He's
0: talking uh, about that optimistic future.
1: I think you might I have. know. A are post- you? Are you, might you have a post mill brother on your hand? <laughs> hey, brother. What's going know. on? Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm optimistic. Ah, uh, mill. But, uh, oh, yes. I, have seen, I finally found Here another we one.
2: There you go, man. <laughs> you guys. No, I'm joking.
1: But I have. You know, I have seen uh, the cycle of corruption and reformation in the church. And sure. we are at a point in time where I think everything is ripe. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic, Amen. you know, this is just to, just to recap the the history of this, you see the early church and, you know, I put evidence in the, in the book, you see that the early church embraced this, mm. uh, corruption set in, eventually you have, you know, indulgences being sold and things like that, right? People selling salvation, mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Martin Luther comes in and the whole reformation started over this issue. You know, we usually think of the reformation about being, uh, about uh, being saved by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. And it is, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say it's not, but like what sparked it was this issue of money and ministry. Mm. And here we are. uh, So in the 1700s, uh, the first modern copyright law statute of Anne was introduced. And so at that point, authors were able to start commercializing uh, their, their craft before uh, they would just hope that when they put a dedication in the front of the book, someone would pay them back or really they were just doing it to get the word out there. So then you have uh, authors being paid royalties Uh, the church eventually follows along with this model. And now you have digital content being sold. So it's not even paper book that's being sold. It's just the teaching and you have the church following along. And I think, I think it's a ripe time for people to go back to the word of God and see what it says about this. Mm. Amen. good good Amen. stuff
0: pastor Connolly tell everyone where they can find you on social media where they can get a copy of the book and what you got going on
1: yeah uh so I'm cco3 on gab I'm also on Facebook and if you're on Facebook please join uh, our Facebook group which is called money and ministry trying to have a, a good community there that's working through these things and discussing them and then uh, the book is at the Dorian, Dorian is spelled d-o-r e a n and uh, you can order the the paperback there like I said earlier uh, the publisher even covers shipping uh this publisher and the larger organization which is a uh, first love missions they've been doing ministry this way since 2006. Mm. Uh, giving books away for free and even shipping them for free. So uh, they've been committed to this model of ministry for a long time. So you can check them out too. First Love Missions.
0: That is awesome. It's awesome. Well, we thank you so much for coming on. Just like Jason said, we mm-hmm. appreciate you taking time uh, and we would encourage our listeners. Go take a look at that book. It is very yeah, interesting, really especially for this day yeah. and age, uh, especially we talk about it all the time, Jason, on this podcast about the commercialization of Western Christian church. It's entertainment now. It's entertainment. It's, yeah. it's very, it's, it's, very different than what it was, um, in the early church for sure. But, uh, we're optimistic about the future as the gospel is preached. And guys, we thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dead Men Walking. As usual, if you would like some merch or to check out a little bit more about Jason and myself, you can go to dmwpodcast.com. We always appreciate the feedback, the comments, uh, the voicemails, the emails, uh, they're they're just fun to get to know that um, you're listening and God is being glorified by this podcast. That's all we do. We don't uh, we don't get paid. We. Do this of our own free volition, and we hope that uh, God is glorified in the process because He has been so so good to us. Jason, do we have anything else before we get out of here?
2: I forgot to say, uh, Claude, I got your uh, hat on. If uh, (laughs) Claude Ramsey, if you you made it this far, here I stand, podcast. There we go. Thanks for that.
0: (laughs) Thanks for the hats, buddy. (laughs) All (laughs) All right, right, guys. As always, God bless. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com.